All right. Welcome back, everybody. I hope uh, you all had a productive uh, discussion time. I know we we did in our group, and uh, these are certainly very thought-provoking things, and and we need to really move towards making them practical. Uh, so uh, I'll just open in a word of prayer, and meanwhile, before I do that, I just want to remind everybody we do have a lot of questions. Vijay, I don't know if you, I don't think you can see them, uh, or or if you can log in there, you could see them as well. But I'll I'll just pull some. out of there uh, you know as we go through and we'll try to answer as many as we possibly can so uh, please do keep uh, you know voting the questions and uh, we'll obviously try to take the ones that are of uh, higher interest level and uh, um, you know i will also uh, ask vijay start off with a few uh, questions just so that we get to know him a little better uh, his background his experience uh, there's some questions about that as well so before we do that let's uh, just look to the lord Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for this um, time that we've had. We want to thank you, Father, for uh, for uh, taking us through the charge and the consecration, Lord, and uh, and 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 helping us, Lord, to understand uh, what it is that you want of us, Lord. What it is that you desire for us, Lord, uh, as as those for who, who have received uh, the benefit of the mercies, your mercies, Lord, and how, Lord, that we. Uh, we we really need lord to examine ourselves we need to find those idols in our life lord we are uh, we are fallen lord we are in the flesh we are beset by so many idols even even as those who are your children yet lord we have to uh, we have to go through this process lord of sowing to the spirit and not sowing to the flesh and killing the flesh and 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 letting the spirit reign in us lord and we just pray that as we go through the rest of um, Uh, this uh, camp lord uh, the remaining two messages and as well as this time we want to commit this time of uh, of um, question and answer lord and uh, dialogue with vijay we thank you lord for providing uh, our dear brother uh, as uh, uh, to to help us out lord with this camp and to help us really tackle this uh, very very important topic and now i just want to pray father that your holy spirit would guide both him and myself as we go through this time lord and uh, help us to use it um, effectively lord and and pray lord that it would really uh, edify and and enlighten lord everyone uh, who's uh, who's here today we ask all these things in christ most precious and holy name amen so uh, vijay uh, we, we just want to start off a little bit with um, you know a little bit just to get to know you a little better i know some of us know you uh, uh, reasonably well others are probably uh, you know seeing you for the first time so uh, just very quickly tell us a little bit about your background where you're from where where you were brought up where do you study what are the different places you've lived in just give us sort of a capsule version of uh, the life of uh, vijay roberts uh, if you would oh my goodness i just um, i grew up in hyderabad in india and we left india in 97 i'd gone to bombay to do my hotel management and uh, so i i left home when i was 17 i was in bombay for about 17 years um the last job before i left india i was the training manager at the taj in bombay and uh, i loved training i thought that was a career that i would uh, die doing uh, and and the job took me to dubai to bahrain and in 2003 it brought me to uh, brought us as a family to canada and and even at that time very specifically the reason was because i just wanted to understand a little more about the management concepts um and i wanted to know about north american concepts and and so that's what brought me here um and now um uh, i have i'm married 29 years 29 yeah and uh we have a son who's 26 he's uh, 27 he is a miracle child we're thankful that we can have him we're lucky to have had more i'm the only child of my parents and we kept the legacy going <laughs> uh, not intentionally but um, we would have loved 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 i can't tell you how much of we would have loved to but god in his grace allowed for us to have a god-fearing son mm. uh, his name is daniel and my wife's name is joyce So Vijay how many years did you go before Daniel was was born 
after marriage? Two, two, two years. Two years, okay, good. So, um, uh, so you told us about Joyce and uh, uh, about Daniel. So, one of the things that, that I always like to ask is, you know, we have a lot of young people who are, um, you know, of uh, that sort of, you know, 25 and up, uh, thinking about marriage and and things like that. So, so I know a little bit of the history of you and Joyce, although I, I'll keep that to myself. <laughs> but, but tell us how you, um, you know, how did you. How did you choose a, a wife? Right. <clears throat> and just maybe you know, it's not, sorry, it's not just so much about you choosing Joyce, but some principles for some of our young people to apply as they make that right. sort of very important life choice. Right, right. And <laughs> what George was alluding to is um, what would be considered to be like love marriage back in <laughs> India at that time. And I'm not, um, and I, I, I say that, and I, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of that um, in any which way, because I don't think there was, uh, there was a filmy, you know, like a, what is that, a Bollywood style of, um, of falling in love, of expectations, or whatever it is. Um, <clears throat> What I was convinced, both of us were very convinced, was that God has brought us together. We were active in the youth group, and and I'm, I've already told you, I'm the only parent of my, I'm the only child of my parents, um, and I think they had hopes and expectations of finding a wife for me, and uh, maybe that was the disappointment that they had, but they were, they understood that uh, that it is not necessarily that God speaks only to my parents, but as you are intentional about, about who to marry, and I, I want to be a little personal here, and I know it's going to be on YouTube or whatever, but for God's glory. I, I was the only child, and it meant that uh, I had no siblings, I had no, you know, bigger family and for me therefore getting married was important and to find a person who uh, who it is that God would have me because uh, you know you, you it's a one-way traffic you don't you don't you don't get married and get out of marriage and get married again we Bible doesn't allow for that and so it's a very important decision and there was at that point, I would honestly say that there was a driven, there was a drive of self-need of wanting a companion for myself because I was lonely. And, and yet at the same time, uh, I haven't gone through university, having lived on my own, I felt this compelling hand of God on me. And I'm thankful to God for a God who does not give up on us. As Francis Bacon says, he is like the, the spirit of God is like the hound of heaven who comes after you till you give up yourself to him. And so while there was a selfish desire, if you would, to find companionship, uh, I, um, I wasn't, I, I think we were asking questions about um, how do we know that this is, this is not just self-driven but that the work of God is there. And it became evident as people were starting to talk, they started to talk to us. And, and um, um, <laughs> I'm a type A personality, you know, I'm like about a task, get the work done. I've changed a lot. And I hope it's the transforming work of the spirit in me. And being type A is not wrong, but I was more about the task and not about the person. And Joyce is, you know, a very people-oriented person. You meet her, you would want to talk to her. You can have hours of conversation with her. Uh, you'll run out of conversations with me. I'm not, you get the work done, that's it. Okay, move on to the next project, right? So we are so incom incompatible. But there was a desire in both of us to serve God. At that time, we didn't have words of I want to glorify God in all my choices. It was I wasn't as mature as that. I was, we were struggling as um, I forget who it is. Um, I forget the name, but you know, 
It's like a brain fog. <laughs> you live in that time when you are, I think from 14 years, you're 30 years, you live in a brain fog. You know, you, 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 you want to make the right decisions, but you can't trust anybody and you just make decisions and you think you got it right, but you're not right. You're not sure. That's the brain fog I'm talking about. And it's during those times you need people to come alongside you and talk to you. Don't think that you got all the answers. Find for yourselves people who you can talk to. And even, I know, you know, you might want to ask later, I think somebody asked me, how did I know this was God's will for me to be in the ministry that I knew God was calling me? I was just talking to people. I was just talking to people, even though it is against my natural uh, affinity to talk. I knew that this is something that I had to see um, there's, there's this expression, standing on the shoulders of giants. So why do, you, why do you read commentaries as an example, right? Because you're standing on the shoulders of giants. People have already looked ahead. You want to stand on their shoulders and look. That's what mentoring helps you. That's what when you get people into your lives to talk to you about so that uh, these decisions are, are, are founded not just on your feelings or your understanding, but it's affirmed by the body, body of Christ. Yeah, yeah that's, that's great advice. And maybe just to take that uh, another step there, you talked, Viji, today about uh, this, this, uh, this evening for us, morning for you, about idols, right? And, and, and certainly one of the idols uh, the, the, that I see in our culture, the, the, the Indian culture is... Uh, marriage, right? Marriage can be an idol as well because we do have a lot of young people who struggle because they are maybe getting up there in, in age, maybe they're 27, 28, 29, 30, you know, maybe past 30. And there's a lot of pressure, you know, from parents, from family. Um, can you just talk a little bit about that? Can marriage and the desire for marriage become an idol? And how do you sort of submit that to God? How do you, how do you deal with that? Right. Marriage is not an answer to your problem. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I have met too many people who are desperate to get married and assume that getting married will solve their loneliness, a need for companionship, friendship, or you know, just somebody to have uh, have around. Marriage doesn't do that. You know what marriage does? In fact, it sanctifies you. One of the things that we've been talking about, God's bringing two people who are fallen, two people who are sometimes incompatible, who are imperfect and puts them together. And you might think that it will lead up into a beautiful time of worship. Like you feel like you're in heaven, marriage made in heaven, but it only can be that if, if it is about God, if the reason you want to get married is so that you can, you can glorify God um, through your marriage, through the children that you would bear, who would be sanctified by serving well. And to say that, Lord, there are need, there are this personal desire, but I'm going to leave it in your hand. It is, I understand time is of a factor that some of us assume that the window of marriage is, is small and we seem to be uh, passing that window. You know, it's like the relay race, right? The baton has to be passed in that, in that uh, zone. If it yeah. doesn't happen, uh, you feel you don't get married. I want you to trust God. Mm. I want you to say that God, you're not limited by time. You're not limited by people. You're not limited by my understanding of how you can work, but I'm going to trust you, God. I want to honor you. I want to first give myself to you to say this life belongs to you. And I'm also willing to say, Lord, not in resignation, not, in, in, not by saying, oh, you know, God's going to do what he's going to do and give up, but to trust God to say whatever he decides is the best. And so, oh God, I'm going to lean on you that, that this life will meet, uh, meet its full purpose, the purpose for which you have made me to be a worshiper.
And, and so when there is pressure, don't react negatively because they are doing it out of love, uh, mostly. <laughs> but uh, so understand with them and have try to find somebody who you can have conversation with, mature conversations about the struggles. Because these are things usually we don't want to talk to anybody about or you find somebody else may, may not be wise enough. Um, but you can trust that person. But you have to work your trust into people's life on whose shoulders you can stand and look ahead. And together, I uh, pray that God would bring you to a place that he has planned for you. Yeah, yeah good. Thank you, Viji, for sharing that. Uh, and you alluded to this, but there are a couple of questions about, you know, how did you know, um, you know, how did you make that decision to go into full-time ministry versus sort of serving with your job, which is what you were doing, I guess, but at some point you felt the call. How did you, how did you know the, the call of right. God? Well, I can say, uh, I can only say I'm a trof trophy of his grace. You know, I'm just thankful to God. I, I, very, very quickly, George, let me just, um, I have to share just this part of the journey before I get there. When I, the year that I landed here, I got hit by a motor vehicle accident, uh, mo by a car, I had a motor vehicle accident. And that eventually led, led to fibromyalgia where my whole body's in pain. My, my legs feel they're on fire. Every part of my body's hurting. For at least about five years, I had to go every Tuesday uh, for like 40 injections, nerve blocks. <clears throat> but even prior to that, I knew God was calling me into full-time work because as people would talk about the work of God, there would be this just overwhelming desire to be part of that. And, and then there would be verses that as I read, I knew God was just prompting me. I would write them down in the Bible and I would start talking to missionaries like, how do you know? How did you know? And hear their story, right? But I was not willing to make this decision. I was so intent on, be, on being bivocational that I would serve God and so, you know, have my own career because uh, my my excuse was, Lord, you don't have to, you know, I don't have to depend on your people to provide if I live by faith. I can work. You've given me a skill set and then I can, you know, contribute. I can do whatever, you know, I'm, I'm willing to serve you. But um, but then this accident happened. I was chronically fatigued. I was in pain. I was so terribly in pain that by eight o'clock, if you would have conversations with me, I could be talking to you and I'd go off to sleep. You know, it's that, that fatigued I was. And yet this insistence by the spirit of God, uh, whether I would uh, uh, step out in full-time work. And then I started to pray, Lord, if, that, if you heal me, then I, I'll come. Because if you heal me, that would mean that, you know, I have a story now to say, if you heal me, then, um, then it, it is not that, oh, this person is, Viji is now not able to work. And so his alternative, his easy alternative is to say uh, he's doing God's work. And that's an easy alternative, right? Like, I don't want that to happen, Lord. And so those are my uh, conversations with God. But you know what God was, God very clearly through verses I have in my Bible, he says, what about obedience? Do you want, what more do you need me to do for you, for you to obey me implicitly, not by saying, give me something more so I can obey you. Like I've given you my son already. You want some more before you can obey me? Like what, what point in time will you obey me? At what point in time will you stop and trust and say, I can, I can take it from here? That was an extremely difficult conversation and a struggle that I had with God. So I'm not a good example in that sense of like, I heard this voice from heaven and, you know, and I said, yes, Lord, uh, I wasn't that. I regret it that I couldn't trust him early enough, but I can tell you the faithfulness of my God. He has opened doors, allowed me to minister, speak into people's lives. Um, just, just unbelievable. Uh, goodness of God that I've been saying no to. So when you have this comp 
compelling urge that God is calling you. Start talking to people. Find out for real. Don't just jump in in a whim because you know, I, I believe God calls you to this work. He compels you. He He lays his hand on you so strongly. So so it, it, it is not just, you know, you heard me talk and you, you sign up. You might, you know, and God will still use you. But I'm convinced that God calls. And when he does, it's, I can't tell you how thrilled I am. Yesterday, we had somebody who who we've been praying with and whose life has been turned around. I and mean, those are the joyful moments that uh, we get to share. Uh, e even when you're not in full-time work, but when you give of yourself to God, that's, that's when that happens. So Vijay, can you uh, just uh, expand on that in terms of what, what is your ministry? Uh, there's some questions about here about your, I guess some folks know that you're involved with Voice of the Martyrs and maybe very quickly, what are sort of the three or four main things that uh, occupy you as a full-time uh, worker? Right. So I'm an elder at the assembly here. It's called the New Life Bible Chapel. That consumes a lot of time because we, uh, we have a lot of first-generation Christians who need mentoring, discipling, and prayer. I spend time in prayer with people. Um, I spend uh, praying with missionaries, as, as um, so I have a regular schedule of prayer, and I believe that is the first work. But God also opened doors for other ministries beyond that, and um, you know, people ask, like, are you, do you, uh, is that okay for you to be involved in so many ministries? And I'll explain that a little later. But one thing that I forgot to say uh, about my sickness is on the 24th of October, 2012, when I finally said, Lord, I cannot fight you anymore. You, you, this life belongs to you. He opened up doors to a lot of ministries. Our assembly prayed and commended me. Uh, they took time to pray. They commended me next year, 2013, Ju sorry, Jan 12th. And between that time is when these opportunities to serve came up. And on the 12th, after the 12th, the 13th, like I'd gotten so busy that I forgot that uh, I suddenly remembered I haven't been going for these pain injections anymore. And for God's glory, since that time, since uh, uh, the day when the God, when the Lord called me to full-time work, I have not had to go back mm -hmm. for any injections. I'm not on any prescriptive medication, nothing at all. I'm not chronically fatigued. I can arm wrestle any one of you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the point is, God did not have to heal me, but he was just gracious. He could have used me as I am. But what he did also is open doors. The biblical eldership, uh, which is with Alex Strzok, I know some of you are doing that yep. course, they reached out and said, hey, we'd like you to join this team. Like, I don't even, I, like, I can't even say how exciting it is that, that uh, like, those are giants in the ministry to be involved with them. So we, we do uh, church leadership. My heart is that the leader in the church must be built up, encouraged so that uh, the church can be healthy. I'm also involved with Voice of the Martyrs. I speak on behalf of them because um, Christ Christians are the largest religious group that's persecuted around the world. And uh, what happens in North America is because we are so comfortable. Uh, we, 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 uh, we don't like to, we, we have actually dulled ourselves from the reality of what it means to be a Christian around the world. So uh, I, I do some work with them. These are all volunteer work, but just to be involved with them and to deal with you know, the different levels of ministry, it's just exciting. I sit on two, three boards. One, um, it's a radio ministry that speaks into um, Russia, Ukraine, South America. It's called the Faith by Hearing or FBH International. Um, sit on the board of MSC Canada, which uh, supports our, uh, the churches. We support the church to send about 250 missionaries around the world. Some of the missionaries, uh, there are, there's work done in India. And, um, and, and so we do it in a way that, that glorifies God. I, 
I do some work with the Gideons International. Uh, right now, we're doing a project for the deaf <clears throat> to get Bibles to the to to the deaf. And um, I, I don't know if I missed anything out, but um, so I, I keep a busy <laughs> schedule yeah. only because I feel I've lost out the, all the time that I. I, you know, I could have been involved. I, I, I spend this time and somebody asked this question. I want to answer, can ministry become an idol? Mm. The answer is yes. And the answer is no. It becomes an idol when it becomes about you. You want to serve in the ministry when as an elder, I can tell you, when you start counting heads rather than ministering to sheep, it's become an idol. When you feel like, oh, I've got only 82 people. I need to make it 120 or, you know, I, we've got this very strong insistence on numbers. And, and I want to give you figures when you would ask, like, or oh, tell us what's happening at church. How many baptisms have you had in the past one year? I want to be able to say, oh, we had 50 baptisms and it makes me feel good. Then that's an idol because I'm not serving me. I'm, I'm serving me. I'm not serving in God. Yep. But labor to the bone when you do it for God is not an idol. Mm. Your God is worth all you've got. I can Amen. tell you that. I want to die working for him. I can tell you how grateful I am that God would give me an opportunity to impact lives. And so, so it's not... Uh, it's not, uh, um, you know, it's like, how do you take it lightly, right? So, Thank you, Vijay. Um, so, Vijay, I'm just going to uh, probably the most popular question here. Uh, and uh, I'll just try to paraphrase the question. Basically, uh, it's saying that, you know, we as human beings, we are very good at <clears throat> rationalizing and taking uh, what is really our will and making it seem like, you know, God's will, right? Masquerading as God's will for our life. So how do, how do we really discern the will of God and know that it's not me, not myself, uh, that's really, you know, speaking and, and that's really driving and then that we're not just rationalizing that as, you know, this must be the will of God. Right. Beautiful. I think that question is a very powerful question. We'll be dealing with that in the fourth session. Uh, when we talk about the will of God in a little more detail, but let me let me just unwrap for it, uh, unwrap it for you just a little bit. Um, how do how do we get discernment, right? And and so that's the understanding. How do I discern between good and evil? Uh, I think it's Hebrews five fourteen. Let me let's just turn to that Hebrews five fourteen. This has been one of the most uh, profound verse for me. It says, but solid food is for the mature. So how do you, how, how are you mature? Mature is when you know God's word and you're able to dig deep. That's a solid food. So your maturity is not in age. Maturity is not in, um, you know, what do you call, uh, how long you've been uh, or how strong your faith is or whatever it is. It is how well you know God's word. For those who have the powers, who, who, sorry, those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. <clears throat> so once you study God's word, then, then we have to train the powers of discernment by constant practice. In the secular world, it, uh, to distinguish good and evil. So in the secular world, it is said that a CEO is successful if he can make 50% of his decisions right, his or her decisions right. And, and, and so that kind of principle might uh, in some way apply because now in this case, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1.29, I toil and I struggle with his power that works, powerfully works within me, All right? So I have the Holy Spirit who is letting you uh, discern between the right and wrong. Every time you have the Genesis 3 moment, when there's that fruit that looks des desirable, that is, uh, uh, you know, good to eat, do you know enough of God's word that you're able to say, huh, that's deceptive, that's not right? When the devil or the world comes in and says, did God really say that? 
and I'm beginning to doubt, huh, did God really say that? No, he didn't say this, he said that. You start to fumble and, uh, you know, shake, then, then, then the decisions can be wrong. And how does that happen? I'm, uh, I'm totally convinced it happens in the context of a church. It is not within an individual. None of the letters are written to individuals. You might say, what about Timothy and Titus? It was written in the context of the church and ones who were leading um, or pastoring a church or being pastoral in the church, right? And so they are all intended for a community. God is bringing us from the very beginning. If you look at the redemptive story, from the very beginning, he's bringing us into a community and he's brought us into this community. The visible component of that community is a local church. So I want you, my dear brother and sister, to understand this gracious gift of this local community. CBF, I'm so thankful, is so um, uh, focused on uh, discipling. Uh, we, 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 we are called to grow together in that. And so... Uh, Take every opportunity to learn more because this is for eternity. This is not just for the 15 years of career that you might have or 20 years of career that you might have, but it's for eternity. Yeah, and, and Vijay, on that point, I guess very often we sometimes, uh, many folks have a tendency to, to sort of not let the church get involved in some of those things, right? And try to do it separately. And, and, and we are sort of hesitant. Maybe it's because of some bad experience or right. we haven't had that example, uh, but that's something we need to overcome and, and use the community. There's several questions here. I'll just try to maybe combine them. But, but if I was to just put it together, uh, they're sort of saying, you know what? Uh, you know, I want to do the right thing. I spend time studying the word of God, but I still fall uh, you know, even if I'm consistent spending time, I can I, I cannot see any visible change in my life. Um, why does that happen? I'm discouraged because whenever I'm on a spiritual roll for some weeks, I suddenly go astray and this keeps happening again and again. So this comes back to the whole sanctification journey and it, it is challenging. It, it can be tough and people may have the right desire, but they find themselves falling back and getting discouraged. Uh, what, what, what would you say to, to folks? There are many, many questions here along those lines. So if you can just address that. I want to encourage you, my brother and sister, with perseverance, in persevering. One of the questions, I think um, maybe the next session uh, I asked, and I think I've asked, asked this before, does God give us more than we can bear? I don't know what your Bible knowledge tells you, but I can tell you God does give you more than you can bear. Because if God doesn't give you more than you can bear, you can live your life on your own. You don't need God. We turn to God, First, Second Corinthians chapter 1, uh, 8, 9, and 10. We despaired for life, mm -hmm. Paul writes. So he, he was under such despair that he, he just couldn't bear it anymore. And God will constantly bring us to that point again and again and again and again. But don't let it be guilt that overrides you, but conviction. Conviction of God's promise that he won't let you go, that he's holding on to you. And when he holds on to you, nothing can snatch, away, snatch you away from him because you are hidden Christ with God. And so when you fall, I want you to know that you haven't failed. If, when you fall, you don't fail. But it is through repeated getting up that you become disciplined. Our brother was talking about soccer, playing football. That uh, during your practice, you don't get the shots right. You don't get anything right. And it's, you don't give up playing soccer because you love soccer. You love football. So many of you have children. When their children start to walk, and uh, as they start to walk and they fall down, you don't—you're not disappointed with that child. Is oh my goodness, this eight-month-old baby can't even walk. You don't do that. You take joy. That's your God. I want you to understand that it's not just this repentance. And so let me come back to this again. This is—I I know I didn't stress this, uh, stress stress it enough. 
we repent, we repent, we repent, we repent, and we feel guilt coming over us. But unless we rejoice, unless we say, I believe in a God who did not spare his son, but sent him to die for me. He, this God is such a gracious God. His mercies are new every morning. The mercies of God, it's always in plural. He found me, he made me his own. I'm going to rejoice in that God. Even when I fail, I can rejoice in the unfailing promises of God. Make that trust because the devil's going to come constantly out there to make you feel defeated. And, um, then I can tell you whether you're whether you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, till the nail goes on your coffin, you will struggle. Mm. You will fail. We have lived through 2020 when we have heard so many of some of the great preachers who have fallen. It breaks your heart. And he would say, Why didn't God just protect those people? Or why didn't God just hide their sins just to protect his name or his ministry. I don't know if you've asked that question. I've asked that question. Lord, I mean, this is such a big ministry that is happening by, by allowing for that sin to be found out. This great ministry that's impacting many is getting affected. Why would he do that? And God is saying, I'm more about the holiness. Holiness is more important to me. Nothing should come in the way of holiness. Your sin will find you out. If any sin that comes in the way of holiness, then God is saying, I am a holy God. Be holy as I'm holy. Work and impact and influence and all of that can only come out of holiness. If I compromise on my holiness, then I'm not God. I mean, I'm not, I'm not speaking for God, but you know what I'm saying, right? His holiness is not compromised. So we need to understand God is not going to, you know, look the other way over, over your sin. You have to come to that point saying that I love a holy God. That's why when the psalmist writes beauty of his holiness, I, I don't know if that ever gripped you. When was holiness ever beautiful to us? We shuddered from holiness. We ran away from holiness. We said, God is holy, and I, I, I just can't turn to him. I, I just can't, right? Holiness was never a good thing. It was, it was fearful and fearsome. But now with, with the change, the transformation that God does in us, holiness becomes beautiful. And this growing towards that, that joy of knowing who God is is slow. It's frustrating but it's sure. And so persevere. Don't give up on it. Talk to people, find out, have these accountability partners and be honest with them if your struggle is real because it's not going to be too long. Yeah, uh, and, and I think the point you made about the church as a community, right? The, the accountability and, uh, you know, we're here to help each other, right? Every, every part of the body doing its, uh, its part to build and edify. And Vijay, here's an interesting question, and uh, I'm bringing this up not for the sake of this question itself, but I, I think it, it's indicative of a mentality that we often have. And I'll just read the question as it is. It says, is it okay to spend time on entertainment, media, and things I enjoy doing and interests of mine if I'm spending enough time with God prior? Um, or are we supposed to only spend time on Christian content? So, so the, I think there's a little bit of a mentality there of, you know, maybe a little bit of compartmentalization or something. And maybe you could just address it from that perspective as right, well. Right, right. God is not against you resting and relaxing and enjoying, right? Uh, Psalm 16, what's the last verse? Verse 9, I think it is. It says, in your presence are, is joy forevermore. Joy forevermore, yeah. Right. So God is a God of joy and happiness and, and excitement and goodness. And, and so if you take time to, you know, to enjoy um, whatever else you do, uh, that's not wrong. Eric Little, you know, the missionary to China, who refused to run on Sunday because that was the Lord's Day, ran, even though his sister would say, like, I thought God called you to be a missionary. Why are you running? 
why are you you know taking part in the olympics and he said i think god made made me to run and i feel the pleasure of god when i run, run. Yep. Yep. right and and so what does he say now i don't know if you're into watching you know uh, watching movies but that's a good example that i can take uh, think of you know netflix and other movies of uh, tv channels have brought movies into our into our homes is watching tv itself wrong um or is it watching the type of tv or the content that is wrong and i want to caution you against two extremes one is don't get don't get caught up in the trap of work based salvation what i mean by that is oh i need to be this holy you know, person and if he says yep. you know what books do you read oh i only read the kjv version of the bible you know it sounds very good and uh, you you saying the only thing that i do is all these holy things because we've assigned holiness to certain things and then you segmented your life as something else and that is where we going wrong we're saying this life belongs to you whatever i do must be holy so when i watch tv now i know some some of you might say no watching tv itself i mean that idiot box must not be in my house so does the uh, is there a uh, do we confuse the channel with content we know, well, let me explain that i i know a church that refused to use internet because they felt it was the devil's channel the devil's uh, instrument but now in the age of digital online churches what do they do they had to get back to it so how is it that at one point in time it was a devil's instrument but now it's okay well there's something wrong then in the way we think that is not what uh, that's not how you differentiate the right or wrong it is how you use it right uh because um online media the 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 website that we have as a church we have had people come to know the lord in africa in philippines in in egypt um, uh, that's africa uh, in the middle east in in kenya sorry and, and so how god has reached uh, also these online uh uh resources to get into afghanistan i know a brother here who's from afghanistan who got saved uh, getting online and reading the bible so don't confuse channel with content you got to be careful what you feed your mind you got to be what you feed is important and so making that distinction and and sometimes we are satisfied with external rules than with internal change yep yep i look all good on the outside you know if i you know i got in trouble with my beard that a judge mentioned this uh, jokingly that uh, i got in trouble in india for my beard uh, because um, for whatever reason that saddens me because you know if my internal transformation is seen if you read the rest of romans 12 i think it's got about 30 different things that it tells you what a christian looks like and so if facial hair is a means of deciding the level of your christian faith then we got a long way to go so the external versus internal external signs versus internal change but that i don't prefer and that's the early question that george you asked i don't prefer my principles over god's precepts you know uh, let me explain it this way we it can become an idol when when somebody says oh i'm a man of him oh george if i if i can just uh, use you as an example george I, I, i'm not i'm not accusing you but just as a name all right oh george is a man of principle and that feels good right if i'm i'm called a man of principle 
but very soon I can become an idol because now I love being called the man of principle yeah. than the principle itself, than the principle of God. I'm saying uh, there is a difference. As fathers, this, this is another uh, great learning that God has taught me over time. We want to be called uh, disciplinarians. You know, we, we want to be called, oh, he's a very disciplined, very strict father. And we love that title. But we have fallen in love with our strictness than we have fallen in love with our child. We love to be called a disciplinarian rather than disciplining in love for the sake of the child. There are two different things. And so when we start to drop principles that makes us look self-righteous, then we should read the next verse, chapter 12, verse 3. Do not think too highly of yourself. Start to wonder whether that is an idol that we have started to worship. I don't know if I opened more cans of, yeah, no, uh, a can of more worms, yeah. but uh, it, it's something which is really that speaks to my heart about being very careful about, you know, when I say this, that it must be about God, must be about God. God must be glorified, not not me, not my belief system. Yeah. But am I clear about I, God? I think, uh, I think you made a good point there, which is that, uh, that, that we, uh, as human beings, we want rules, right? We, we like rules because it's like a checklist. We can say, yes, it's good or it's bad. But that's really not life is much more complex than that, right? And, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's what the Pharisees did. They made thousands of rules to interpret the, the laws. And we know what, what Jesus said about that, right? Um, so Vijay, just to switch gears uh, on cultural Christians. So you've spoken quite a bit about there's a question here that says, how do I know that I have not deceived myself to be a cultural Christian? So so. What is what is what is it? What do you mean when you say cultural Christianity? And how do we know that? How do I know uh, that I'm not really I'm not a cultural Christian, or that I am a cultural Christian? You know, uh, how do I identify that, and how do I deal with it? Right. The very reason that you ask the question, I would say you're not a. The very fact that you ask the question, you're not a cultural Christian. A cultural Christian would have heard me what I said, and what I said, ah. Uh, he can say whatever he wants and not take it lightly, or take it lightly rather. But the fact that you are desiring to know, am I cultural? That's Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, I believe it is. Examine yourself to know whether you're in the faith, mm-hmm. right? And, and so asking that very question, am I, is it real? I love that verse in Romans chapter eight, I believe it's 13, where it says, it's the spirit of God that convicts us that we are his children. Mm. No. Um, uh, 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Mm -hmm. There's a conviction in our hearts that we belong to child, we belong to God, that we are a child of God. That's a spirit conviction. So you have to ask yourself, has your faith been based on the fact that um, you know you 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 grew up in a Christian faith, you come to church, you got there, but you really don't have the joy, you've lost the joy, uh, you really don't understand uh, if you know, the implication of sin, you you haven't begun to abhor sin uh, and hate sin. You, you want to get away from sin, but you struggle because you fall into it and you're asking God, God, I want this realignment of my love. Uh, Romans 7, Paul himself is saying that he struggled. So, I mean, unless you, you're better than Paul, we all struggle. I struggle. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm talking about all this and you might think, what a hypocritical guy. He struggles himself. But the fact is, uh, I'm not being hypocritical because I struggle. Uh, I'm being hypocritical if I say I don't struggle. Mm. Uh, God is saying that you cannot, we cannot live this life on our own. And so we got to hand it over back to God every day. That's the offering daily sacrifice that we offer giving back to God what God has given, saying that God, 
uh, I need to let this help me do this. So as we proceed down the next two sessions, this clarity okay. this becomes a little yep. more clear. And I know on the fourth session, that question that you, you know, whoever mm -hmm. asked becomes a little more clear. So Vichy, one of the things a lot of young people, just to pick up on that, uh, on this thread here, um, struggle with is that, uh, is, you know, how do you, distinguish between, you know, um, I'm a struggling Christian versus, you know, was I really saved? Am I really saved? Uh, I, I know that's not an easy answer there, but but do you have some some wisdom to offer on that? Uh, you know, how, how should people think about that? Right. Well, um, a decision, right? What are some of the decisions that you make? You know, is it based on convenience, comfort? and self-glory, or is it you say, no, I want to glorify God. So I want you to set aside the struggle because struggle is going to be there, mm -hmm. right? But ask the obvious questions. One, how do I decide? Second is what's my worldview? Like how do I, how do I process things? Am I so happy in God when everything goes well and honky-dory and I'm comfortable and the moment things start to go wrong, you start to wonder if God's wrapping you on your knuckles or is he, is he upset with you? Is he really who he says he is? You know, if you're starting to have those questions and doubts, then uh, it's more than a struggle. It's doubt in God himself. And so what you need therefore is this conversation in the community, as you come back and you ask these questions back and forth, Lord, help me understand. I'm having this problem. Am I struggling? Am I really yours? And I can I I can say that as you continue to struggle, God gives you the assurance that you belong to Him. Romans one is an example which I can use, Romans 1 and 2 is an example I can use to help understand how a Christian lives. Light acted upon brings more light. Light rejected brings more darkness. And that's what we see in Romans 1 as a principle where people, when God eventually gives them up. And, and so in this struggle, as you say, God, I know these are some of the things that you're asking me. I will do it. And I'm going to struggle doing it, but I'm going to do it. Help me, God. I want to do, I want to obey. I want to be implicit. I want to, I want to start thinking like you, your son thinks, or, you know, when he was out, out here in this world. Have this mind in you, which is in Christ also. So, so this, this process is very indistinguishable almost from, you know, a cultural Christian. That's the reason why in that parable about the wheat and the tares, mm. uh, and it becomes pertinent for the wheat to find out with God and through the community of God's people. That's why God places us in the community with having this conversation. Hey, I'm struggling to know if this is true or not. And as I spent, like, let's say you and I are paired up, we pray, we talk, we discuss, and as we grow together is when I begin to, ha, never thought of it this way. Um, I, I asked that question, does God give us more than we can bear? Because I asked this question with a struggling Christian. And he was struggling because he, he's just sinking one after another, just one storm after another. He tries to rise up, but it feels like life's getting him down. And he feels that God's turning on him because, you know, he did something wrong, like absolutely something wrong, which he couldn't forgive himself. In order to say, if God has forgiven you, you have to stop rising about God, making your throne about God and saying, I cannot forgive myself. That is self-righteousness as an idol. You have to ask what God has said, I've forgiven you. God says, you take that and take it to the back. Second, you have to recognize that God gives you more than you can bear. I know they quote uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, mm -hmm. verse 5. It says, you know, and with every temptation, he's yep. going to make a way out. Yep. Yep. 
That's about temptation. That's not about your challenge and difficulties in life. God brings you constantly to a point where you are so unable to do anything on your own. The only way and only place you can turn to is God. God wants you to become dependent on him. So we spoke about maturing. This is how maturity looks like and how it is different from physical life. So many of, I've saw so many children and I love children. Our church is also blessed with a lot of toddlers and we pray that we lose none, that everybody would come to know Christ. So these toddlers, when they are born, they are helpless. You have to care for them. And as they mature, they, they start to, you know, turn around, they start to crawl, they start to walk, and eventually they get into our adulthood and you want them to be independent. That's what maturing looks like in the physical life. But in the spiritual life, it's the other way. You have been independent. You live your own life and, and you start to become more and more increasingly dependent till such time that you can say, I'm a child of God, I need your help. You see how contraindicated both are. That's the growth. And so I want to encourage you. The very fact that you ask the question means that you're struggling, which is great. Yep. But pair up, talk to, continue the conversation. Thank you, Viji. Viji, we have a few questions on thought life. Uh, you know, how do we practically control our thoughts? Sometimes uh, unchristlike thoughts come. And there's a added question to other about, about dreams, sinful dreams. Uh, that are beyond our control. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about thought life? This is definitely something that a lot of Christians struggle with, right? Uh, right, right. So maybe you can yeah. just uh, address that. Yeah. So, um, so I want to, I want to, I want to talk about it in two ways. One is a thought life, and the other is the dream life. Right. Thought life is based on what you have fed it on and what kind of lifestyle you may have had. Uh, Thought life is very, you know, a mind needs fuel. And that's the next session we speak about it. What, What feeds you, fuels you. And so to be mindful that, um, let me, let me just give you this example. Um, when I was in, when I was to live in India, and you know, I still remember, I remember watching the uh, Hindi movie songs. I didn't think much about it, you know. I was like, oh, okay. And uh, and then when I come back now, I, 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 my, I don't know if it's gotten worse or whatever it is, but <laughs> when I see that, my, I just get like, oh wow, this like how like like no, this is like crazy, and we beam it into our homes and our children are watching it becoming natural. You see what's happened is there is a dulling of our senses by these excessive media inputs and we, we are not able to discern what it is. Now, that is as an example, you deal with how God's dealing with you on that. But uh, that was something which I, I felt like, no, I can't, I can't be watching that, right? Uh, because what you choose to feed your mind is what it starts to move uh, towards. Now that's an example, but more common examples are when, again, I'm gonna use George as, as an example, not that he offended me, but let's say he offended me. And, and that now he's sitting there as if he's, he's an angel. And in my mind, I'm like, huh, George, you did that to me. You said that to me. And now you're acting, everything is okay. What am I doing? I'm just like churning negative things about my brother, my dear brother. I'm, I'm just allowing this conversation to happen. And I rationalize it because obviously I've been hurt. Mm-hmm. But Matthew 5 tells me that if my brother hurts me, I have to go and speak with him. And I said, my brother, you, you, I don't know whether you did that out of, you know, out of spite or ignorance or whatever it is, but I'm hurt. Let's have this conversation because my mind is not able to settle this on my own. I need your help. That's what happens, this conversation. And my brother says, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that. And so what I've done is I've, I've defeated the devil from using that thought as a seed to spite against my brother. 
Or what I tend to do if I don't do this, I'll turn to another brother and says, you know, tell me about George. You know, I know he's one of your elders. And I have planted that seed of doubt in that brother's mind or a sister's mind, thinking that, well, I'm just clarifying things. You have no right to clarify with another brother or sister about another brother or sister. You have no right. Our Lord doesn't give that. If you bring an altar, sacrifice to the altar, lay it down there, go back to your brother and be reconciled. And, and Romans 12 says later that as much as is possible, we live in peace. Sometimes it doesn't happen because we are fallen people. And that's what it is. We are fallen people. And so as best as we can do it, these thoughts will continue to assail us. Uh, our dreams, you know, there are dreams when I've woken up aghast that I could even think those things. And I have no explanation as to why those dreams come. But when they do, I don't want to enjoy it. I want to reject it. I want to destroy it. I want to say, Lord, you need to take this and you need to help me. What I do with, uh, with those thoughts is important. And so, you know, I know some of you guys have been doing the uh, the session on pornography. One of my favorite uh, references and character is Job. Uh, Job 1 1 says, and there lived in the land of Uz, uh, righteous and uh, uh, righteous and blameless uh, man who turned away from evil. Now, what that means is. You know, Job is going down a path and he begins to see that there's evil there. He turns around and goes the other way. And then he come to, I believe it is chapter 32, where he has covenanted not to look at um, uh, the opposite sex. So first of all, he, he, he doesn't know, he's ignorant. He walks by and he realizes any more uh, you know, if I walk down this path anymore, it's going to lead me to evil. So he turns around and takes another route. Second, he is now know that that's a path I will not go anymore. Board up that path. And it's through that discipline that God is teaching you about himself. You know what it is? It's Genesis 3. God is saying, I want you to learn to choose right and refuse the wrong. And that struggle is going to be real till we become good at it. God's not going to choose it for us. He's going to make you choose if you're his because he doesn't want us to do the same mistake Adam and Eve did by choosing for ourselves, but to choose for him. That's the discipline that God's calling us to. And so we are thankful that God is allowing us again and again, giving us choices again and again so we can test and be disciplined to choose right or discerning to choose right. All right, thank you, Vidji. Uh, you know what? Uh, we have a lot of questions, and but we are out of time. So, um, um, what, what I would I would like to request of you is, uh, you know, we have all these questions. Uh, you know, not not today or tomorrow, but uh, maybe after that, if you would, uh, you know, you would take a look at these and maybe give us some answers in writing. We can pass it on to, uh, you know, onto the flock here. So, uh, you know. Uh, that would that would be uh, much appreciated <laughs> and uh, certainly very edifying. So, uh, so maybe uh, Siji or somebody can just package up uh, all the questions. That maybe we can we can get more questions coming over the next day as well, and we'll package them all up and uh, get to it. But I, I think um, I think that was a very uh, very instructive session, very enlightening. Thank you very much for taking the time and giving us uh, the benefit of your uh, your insights into. Uh, you know, into into some of these questions. So, and and hopefully you can address some of these. I guess as you, a couple of times you mentioned that you'll be talking about it uh, over the next couple of messages as well. So, um, you know, looking forward to that. Um, so with that, I I will uh, I will just um, maybe Vijay, I'll ask you to close in prayer, and uh, we'll just turn it over to Nigel for a couple of final announcements regarding uh, tomorrow, uh, the the schedule for tomorrow, and then we'll call it a night. Go ahead, Vijay. Father, thank you. Thank you a lot for, for this new life that you've given us. 
Thank you that you haven't left us to our own devices. You haven't Lord, just saved us and dropped us in the middle of the wilderness to figure out on our own. We have the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, as we read again and again in the book of Acts, is the gift to us. Help us, Lord, to listen and hear his still small voice. Help us, Lord, not to quench, to, to grieve the Holy Spirit and then to quench the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to be filled by him that there's nothing, that there's nothing in us that hinders him from working in our lives. That is our desire, Lord. And Father, we pray that as we live this life, as through disciplines of of reading God's word and and praying that we become more discerning. Help us, Lord, to say that this life is not divided into secular and spiritual, but it is yours entirely, that whatever you call us to do, whether it is work, whether it's being a mother, stay-at-home mother, whether it is business, whether whatever it is, Lord, that I and my brother and sister, Lord, are able to see it through the eyes of how your son will view it. And that's difficult. We know in this world, we rationalize to say that it's impossible, but we believe in the God who does all things that is impossible. We believe as his children that we have a right to be able to see for ourselves in our lives, God working out the impossible. So build our trust in you, that your promises are yes and amen. Amen. Build our obedience in you, seeing that there is no rationale, no alternative to obedience, but to trust and obey, for there's no other way. We thank you again. We thank you for all the heads that are bowed and for the work of grace that you're doing in our lives. And I pray, O Father, that we will all meet around the throne of grace, rejoicing for a God who kept us, who sanctified us, brought us to his banqueting house, the banner over which is love. In Jesus Christ, the Lord's name we pray. Amen. Amen.